Hey, you're listening to the Encounter Church podcast. To learn more about Encounter Church, visit us at ecdenver.org, or you can find us on Facebook, YouTube, and Instagram. Thank you for listening. Get into the message. And this is the last part, part four, of a series here in Encounter that we've been studying, which is how to love our neighbors, how to love our neighbors specifically as ourselves. Because that's a really important thing for Christians to know. Uh, you know, Christ said that, that you could take all of the teachings of the prophets, all of the teachings of the law, and, and you could, you know, surmise them into these simple commandments, to love God with all your heart, soul, and strength, and to love your neighbor as yourself. And all of the other commandments are, are sort of underneath that overarching umbrella. So it would seem that if we want to be obedient to God, which, do we want to be obedient to God? Yeah, we should. That, that understanding how to love our neighbor as ourself is, is important. And so we've been sort of digging into that and exploring some nuances of that. And I want to just close with this last part. And it's, it's this, that when we love our neighbors as ourselves, we are perpetually bringing hope. We are bringing hope. We are hope bringers to people who, who are struggling. There's, there's a wonderful proverb uh, that says this. It says, never abandon a friend either yours or your father's. There's something to think about. You know, your friends of your parents, friends of your grandparents, when disaster strikes, you won't have to ask your brother for assistance. It's better to go to a neighbor than to a brother who lives far away. And, and essentially what Proverbs is telling the Jewish people is that, you know, you need to be part of a community where every neighbor is a friend. There's somebody that, that you know that you've ministered to and that, 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 that you've blessed and that's one of the reasons why we as a congregation are looking for ways that we can actively be involved in the Denver community. I love the backpack uh, project that we're, we're partnering with Iron Sharp Foundation again this year. It's going to be a wonderful opportunity. But, but recently, because I'm a part of the Centennial Mayor's Faith Council, I heard of an opportunity uh, to help some people in need. And Arapahoe County has actually established a fund to help the, the families who had their condos burned out. And if we could have that, that slide uh, for me up here. That would be good, but there is uh, the text to give, we're working on it, but there was a condominium here in our community where they, they literally got burned out, and they said, we want to raise $10,000. We appreciate the fact that most of them have insurance, it's going to cover that, but there's just some things, when, you're, when your home burns down, it doesn't cover everything, right? And the last time I checked, which was Friday, only $700 of the $10,000 that they're trying to raise had come in, and so I said, you know, I think, or, you know, counter could raise 1000 bucks. I do. And so to make that simple, all you need to do is text the word give fire to 720-796-8833 and just follow the prompts. And, and that will go into our benevolence fund. And we're believing for up to $1,000 to come in. But we just want to be good neighbors. We want to be able to tell the, these families that were affected by this house fire. And it's a number of families that, hey, you know, not only did Arapahoe County care, but Encounter Church cared. Because that's the kind of neighbors we want to be. Amen. So that's just, just one example of things we want to get into. But, but, but here is the reality. As Christians, as believers, as followers of Jesus Christ, we are in a world full of people who are in trouble and either don't know it or they don't understand why. Isn't that true? Do you know some people who are really in a pickle but they don't know that they're in a pickle? Well, it shouldn't surprise you because, you know, Paul talked about that. And he said this. He said, if the good news we preach is hidden behind a veil, which means it's behind kind of a, a, a covering, 
It is hidden only from people who are perishing. The people who don't have Christ are perishing. Satan, there really is a Satan, who is the God of this world, has blinded the minds of those who don't believe. They are unable to see the, the glorious light of the good news. They don't understand this message about the glory of Christ, who is the exact likeness of God. And I was praying about how to explain this, about this, this whole scenario where we as Christians are, are tasked with bringing hope to a world which is broken and hurting and blinded and deceived and perishing. The word perishing is important. They're perishing in their ignorance. And, and so the question is, what does that really look like? And, and the analogy I felt like God gave me was, was it may be appropriate for Denver, is, is people during a flood. Have you felt like we've been flooded? Yeah, my, my backyard, I mean, there's a water retention area behind us, and I snap pictures and send it to the HOA. I had a, a five-foot deep pond in my backyard, and I didn't come up to the house, but I don't have a pond in my backyard. <laughs> but I had a pond in my backyard last week. I mean, it was there. And, and so it's like being in these floodwaters with people, and we are in a boat. We're in the SS Jesus Christ. Uh, all right, we are there, we are safe, we, are, we, we, we got snacks, we got hot chocolates, you know, it, life is good for us, man, we're fine, you bring the storm, bring the rain, we don't care, we're doing good, but we're surrounded by people who are drowning, people, some of whom insist that there is no flood, I mean, they're up to their next, what flood, what are you talking about, this is perfectly normal, no, that's not. You're on the verge of perishing, and you don't even know you're in the middle of a flood. And then we've got another group of people out there, equally deceived, but they insist that the water, which is what is actually going to kill them, is not the problem. Now, you, you get the analogy that water is sin. It's, it's killing you. You're, you're, you're dying. You're being deceived. And, and what they say is that the ground just isn't tall enough. If only I was just a little taller, if you know, send me a ladder. No, the problem is you're in the middle of a rising flood, and eventually it's going to overcome you. Oh, I've, I've been in water my whole life. It's never bothered me before. Wait a little while. It's going to be an issue. Am I right? And why don't they see it? Because they are deceived. And who is deceiving them? What is our job to do? Bring them light. And then you have some of them that honestly know they're drowning. They're astute enough, they're aware enough, they're looking around, and they're saying, like, this is not good where I'm at. Something's wrong. This is killing me. I don't want to be here. This is, but I have no clue. Have you ever been in a situation you knew was killing you, but you had no idea how to get out of it? Come on, we've all been there. Or at least a lot of us have been there. It's like, you know this is toxic. This relationship is toxic. This job is toxic. You know, these Cheetos are toxic. You know, I... I <laughs> I mean, but they're so good. I mean, you look at Cheetos and you said, how would you design toxic food? It would look like a Cheeto. <laughs> you know, but, but you still eat them, don't you? It stains your fingers. Everything's bad. It's, I don't know. And, and, and so you, you, we're, we're with people who God loves, that we should love. And, 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 you know, and they're pushing back on us saying, hey, no, we're fine. We don't need any help. Yet they do. So the question is, eventually, though, I think everybody ends up in category three. You realize that whatever it is you've been believing, whatever it is you've been doing, it is not working. 
And so when people come to that moment of openness, how do we bring hope to those who are deceived and drowning? Now, sidebar. I want, I want to do a sidebar. You can stop. Are you guys taking notes? Okay, if you're not taking notes, why? Just curious. I mean, it is possible that God might speak through me to you this morning. You know, remember the donkey and Balaam and the whole nine yards? It's a hope, you know, but the Lord might actually speak something to you. So I encourage you to take notes. But, but I have this sidebar is this, that, that should we ask people, if we're in the boat and we're surrounded by drowning people, should we expect people to qualify for us to throw them a lifeline or a rope? Should we look out to them and say, you know something? Can I check your voting record to see whether or not you deserve help? Can I ask where you were last night? <laughs> Never mind that. I don't want you asking me where I was last night, but it's a whole different. You, you know, do, do we look out at people and say, I'm going to help you if you meet certain qualifications? Now, you know, obviously, no. no nobody really wants to do that because that's not the heart of Christ. Now, there are times, and I, some of the people in this room will say, Pastor, I remember when you told me to cut off my child who was in a bad situation. And I said, yeah, that's after years of grace. And there's a time when you need to just, you know, do what the prodigal's father did. Said, man, I, I, if that's what you want to do, I bless you. Go and, and, and do your thing. And that's a time. But what is God's attitude towards people who are doing destructive things, who are, not, who are not literally taking advantage of the blessings that God makes available? And he makes, hear me, he makes his blessings available to everybody. The new covenant in Christ is not an exclusive covenant with a select group of people. It's a covenant that is offered to every single person on this earth. But what if they don't follow that? What should our attitude be? Well, it's interesting. This same type of a scenario came up, and, and it, it sort of hit the Israelis, the Jewish people, when they were first coming out of slavery. And in Deuteronomy, I just want to read this to you. It's chapter 15, 4 through 8. It says this. There should be no poor among you. Let's get this straight. I'm giving you a covenant that should cause all of you to prosper and thrive. For the Lord your God will greatly bless you in the land he is giving you as a special possession. You will receive this blessing if you are careful to obey all of the commands of the Lord your God. You, you can't just live any way you want to and be blessed. That just doesn't work. I mean, that's pretty obvious to anybody in this world, but that, that sometimes we need to remember that. But, you know... Commands of the Lord your God that I, and it's Moses, am giving you today. The Lord your God will bless you, on, uh, bless you as he has promised you. He, you will lend to many nations, but you will never need to borrow. I wish Washington knew that. <laughs> I'm a little sorry about that. You will rule many nations, but they will not rule over you. But here's where I want us to go. Verse 7. But if there are poor Israelites in your towns... When you arrive in a land that the Lord your God is giving you, meaning they haven't been obedient to the covenant, do not be hard-hearted or tight-fisted towards them. Instead, be generous and lend them whatever they need. And I would tell you that if that is what Moses taught the people of Israel when they came out of slavery, to basically be compassionate and merciful, even if the people are knuckleheads around you. And again, there are times to cut people off, and I'm not saying that this is an absolute, but shouldn't that be our attitude towards those who are drowning and perishing all around us? Often because of their own self-inflicted wounds. Just something for you to consider. So, loving our neighbor as ourselves. 
motivated by compassion. But the real issue isn't that they just don't need a lifeline, and they do need a lifeline. A lifeline being sometimes you're just in the midst of an emergency and you need rent money. You know what I'm saying? Sometimes you're in the midst of an emergency and you just need somebody who will listen to you. But what's the real issue? The issue is that the flood is coming and they're not in the boat. I mean, because if they're in the boat, who cares if the flood comes? The boat floats over five feet of water and it floats over 5,000 feet of water. Bring it on. We're okay. Amen? So how do we throw people a lifeline, rescue them from the moment, but get them in the boat and into an eternal solution? Because that's really what God has for the church. Our compassion is, is motivated by love, but God's love goes beyond just helping you get out of the situation you're in. God wants to cure what's wrong with you. Amen? So that, that's, that's the ultimate motive of loving our neighbors as ourselves. And when you look at what Scripture says, and I want us to go to uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verses 4 through 7. This is one of my, my most motivating verses. I mean, there's a lot of motivating verses in the Scripture, that, you know, at least I think so. But Paul writing to the Corinthian church says this, you see... We don't go around preaching about ourselves. We preach that Jesus Christ is Lord. I can't save you. Marilyn can't save you. Sarah can't save you. Eliphaz can't save you. But Jesus can save you. There's no S.S. Reese anywhere on the floodwaters that's going to help you. You know, we don't go around preaching about ourselves. We preach that Jesus is Lord, and we, and we ourselves are your servants for Jesus' sake. For the sake of Christ, for the sake of his sacrifice, would we be willing to serve people to help make his sacrifice more effective? Come on. I mean, he died for everybody to go to heaven. He died for all the sins of all the people who ever were, who ever are, and ever will be. And would we be willing to serve drowning people, to love them as ourselves, in order that his sacrifice would be all the more effective? Just a question. Again, I said it was motivated. And so, here's a lesson. Excuse me. We preach that Jesus Christ is Lord, and we ourselves are your servants for Jesus' sake. For God, who said, let there be light in the darkness, has made this light shine in our hearts so that we could know the glory of God that is seen in the face of Jesus Christ. We now have this light shining in our hearts, but we ourselves are like fragile clay jars containing this great treasure. This makes it clear that our great power is from God and not from ourselves. Let me, let me uh, use this visual if I could. If you were here last night, you're going to say, do those bowlings know how to do anything but use water? No. <laughs> It's the only visual we're allowed to use. Isn't that right, Isabel? Amen, if it works. These are two carafes of water. If I drop this carafe, what happens? It breaks. We look at our own fragility. We look at our own weaknesses. We look at our own insecurities, our own temptations, our own whatever. And often, we do not see ourselves as equipped or capable or qualified to share hope with anybody. 
I mean, we were crying ourselves to sleep last night, amen? You know what I'm saying? You know, we, we were mad at somebody because they didn't treat us right. We did stuff we shouldn't have done, and yet, yet we're Christians. And here's what I want you to understand. The carafe and the nature of the carafe, the, I won't drop this, Eliphaz, I promise I won't break this, but, but, but whatever the carafe is made out of, whatever the external image of the carafe has absolutely nothing to do with what is on the inside. And the minute you surrender your life to Jesus Christ, the minute you say, I am a sinner and I choose to acknowledge my sins and my need for salvation and God, I come to you seeking your grace and I want you to be my Lord and Savior. The moment that happens, irrespective of what occurs externally in your life, internally, God transforms whatever is there into the nature of God. And the rest of our lives, this internal anointing, this, 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 this infilling with God's spirit and his word, as we surrender to it, it begins to transform us. And, and again, you see the, the duality of our natures that Paul talked about in Romans 7 and 8. It, yet it doesn't diminish the fact that the moment you're born again, you have something that you could share with others. Now again, the vessel has nothing to do with what's inside. Absolutely nothing. We have these treasures in earthen vessels. There's great power within us. And when we encounter people who are, are out there and, they're, and they're, they're just hopeless, if we'll acknowledge, hey, you know something? There's something in me. That, that, that God's light is in us, even if our outsides are a bit gray or opaque or dim. Amen? It says in 1 Corinthians 12, 7, that a spiritual, a spiritual gift has been given to each one of us to help each other. Who received a spiritual gift? Everybody. So everybody can go up to somebody who is drowning and throw them a lifeline. You can show them a little love. You can help meet a need. You, you, can, you can begin to acknowledge, okay, if I've got spiritual gifts, well, what spiritual gifts do I have? Whichever ones the Lord has given me. And you can even ask God to give you more. He can give you revelation about somebody. Have you ever... We were, we were discussing someone the other day, so a couple of pastor friends of mine. It's a mutual friend, and, and they're going through a very difficult time. And suddenly somebody had a word for them. And, and they weren't... It's like, you know, it was a way that it gave all of us in that room who were concerned for this person insight into the pain that they're going through, which is causing them to act like a knucklehead. Okay? And, and you realize, oh my gosh, that's why they're doing what they're doing. It's a word of knowledge. It's a discerning of spirits. It's a revelation. And, and that person said, you know something? I'm going to reach out to him. And I'm going to pour a little of what God has given me into their lives to throw them a lifeline, to pull them back. And when people begin to feel themselves rescued from the hopelessness of the flood that they find themselves in, they begin to ask you, what is the source of the hope that you're sharing? And you do what Paul says, I don't preach me, I preach Christ crucified. I'm just here to serve you so that you will be aware of what it is that Jesus did for you. He has given us power. 
over scorpions and snakes, uh, spiders, lizards. Apparently not California angels because we got shelled last night. <laughs> if you guys aren't baseball fans, the Rockies went in their history books for being beaten worse than anybody in the history of Major League Baseball. <laughs> yeah, it's... Uh, but they were the angels, at least. They were the <laughs> angels who did the thumping. But, but, but the point of that is, if you forgive the humor, is that we have power. We can pray for the sick. We can pray for the depressed. We can pray for the demon-possessed. And people do get demon-possessed. They get demon-oppressed. Who deceives people? Satan. He may not be a demon, but he is the father of lies. We can pray that the spirit of truth would bring revelation to people, that they would see truth. We don't, and we do it in an attitude of love and humility and servanthood. It's not my job to go out and convince you that God is real. It's my job to serve you and love you and share the gifts that God has given me in the hopes that you will ask the source of what it is that I have to share. And the source is the spirit which has been diffused in all of our hearts and all of our minds, and all of our souls. Luke recorded these verses from Christ, and then Paul built upon them, which is often what you see in the epistles. The writings of Paul will take a teaching of Christ, and it will build upon it, expand upon it, make it a little more clear for us to understand. That's why I believe both in the teachings of Christ and in the teachings of Paul. And Christ looks out at the audience in, in Luke 16, 9, he says, so here's the lesson. Use the, your worldly resources to benefit others and make friends. Then, when your possessions are gone, they will welcome you to an eternal home. And they, they are all the other brothers and sisters. But, but the teaching Christ is referring to is there's a whole lot of people who, who don't seem to understand that whatever you have has the potential to be used as a kingdom influence tool. Your checkbook, your compassion, your words, your wisdom, your experiences, your failures, your mistakes, your time, your resources, all of that can be used to, to be lifelines that we cast out of the boat that we're securely in, empowered by God, empowered by His Spirit, motivated and led by love to reach people who are perishing in their ignorance. And it includes our finances. And then Luke expands on it. He says, teach those who are rich in this world not to be proud, not to boast in their money, which is so unreliable. Seriously. You can be rich one day and broke the next. Enough people have happened. It's happened to enough people that that truth has been proven over and over again. Stuff can happen. I remember hearing a sermon years ago about when you get cancer, how much of a miracle can your money buy? And I remember thinking, I don't get I don't like that. He said, no, God's no respect. Now, he believed in healing, but he said, you know, everybody dies. There's a group of businessmen out in, in California now who want to create immortality through science. Guess what? <laughs> it is appointed unto men to die. <laughs> and after that, to face judgment. Binky, you ain't getting out of it. Don't care, you know, how many yachts you got and how much stock you got. They don't matter. Everybody is going to face that. Command those who are rich in this world not to be proud and not to trust in their money, which is so unreliable. Their trust should be in God, who is the only boat, who richly gives us all we need for our enjoyment. 
Seriously, he wants you to be blessed. He wants you to be happy. He wants you to prosper. He wants you to thrive. Tell them to use their money to do good. They should be rich in good works and generous to those in need, always being ready to share with others. By doing this, they will be storing up their treasure as a good foundation for the future so that they may experience true life. I would argue or submit or ask you to consider that, that there is something called true life that is, is found when we discover within us the voice of God and the Spirit takes the Word and makes it living and active and it directs us in, in worship to the Father and in service to others. And we begin to realize that our needs are promised to be met abundantly above and beyond the expectations of our, of our souls through the potential of God but that what he's given us to be enjoyed is not meant to be exclusively enjoyed, but to be shared with others. And, and again, it's not just finances. It's all kinds of different things. Ropes come in a variety of shapes and sizes and descriptions because different people have different needs. But if we, the kingdom of God, will begin to look upon those who are drowning in their ignorance and not judge them and not, you know, oh my gosh, I can't believe they're that stupid but start to really look for opportunities of people who are willing to at least acknowledge that, hey, you know something? I'm messed up. Do you have any hope? And then we can, we can unashamedly say, you know, I was like you. And then somebody threw me a line. And I looked at the other end of that line, and I realized it wasn't a person on the other end. It was Jesus Christ. And they poured a little hope into my life. And they shared a little hope with me. And let me share a little hope with you. Amen? So, where do we go from here? Well, you go where the Spirit leads. And you think about the encounters that you've had over the last week. And you become sensitive to the encounters that you have going forward with people who are messed up. And people are messed up. So it's not hard to have an encounter with somebody who's messed up. I mean, I mean amen. It's not. <laughs> I, I got a text from a friend of mine who, who I, oh boy, I better be careful I say this. Uh, yeah, let's just say that there was a woman interested in him. And, you know, she reached out to him one night. And he went over to kind of, you know, I don't know what. But, but he went over and suddenly it's a counseling session. And he texts me, man, all they wanted to do was talk about what was wrong in their life. What was I supposed to do? And I, and I wanted to just tell him, well, you ought to get saved so you have something to share with her. Because <laughs> what she needs, you didn't bring with you that night. <laughs> I'm just going to say that, all right? But, but she recognized what was going wrong. And, uh, and she was reaching out. She just reached out to the wrong boat because his boat was sinking because it's not the SS Jesus Christ. That's my, that's my encouragement this morning, that you be sensitive to the people that you encounter in life. Don't judge them. Don't try to, don't try to hate them. Don't try to, well, you're, you're the problem is you're doing all this stuff stupid. Ask God to show you what the rope is that you got. It might be 50 bucks. It might be 50 minutes. It might be, you know, something else. Hey, you know, maybe I can cut your grass today. 
Maybe I could, you know, take your kids for an afternoon so you could, you know, survive. Maybe I could really actively think about who it is I could connect you to who could help you get a job. Whatever it is, let God use you to be a blessing to others. We preach Christ crucified and ourselves as your servant for his sake, for the sake of the gospel, which we want to empower and make even more effective. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for your word. And it is a light in dark times. Um, and God, so many times, man, I, I don't mean this mean, so I'm just going to say it. There's somebody here that, that you used to read the Bible every single day, or near, nearly to that. And, and something happened, and you got out of the habit. And maybe one of our online family, maybe it's several of our online family, several of our in-person family, but just something happened. And you stopped reading the Word of God. And I'm, I'm just going to say what I feel like the Spirit wants me to say, which is that you need to get back into reading the Bible. And, and we have Bible reading plans on our website. We have, we have, you know, opportunities. There's lots of them out there. You can download all kinds of them. But you need to consume God's Word. Because if you don't consume God's Word, the Word will consume you. The fears, the anxieties, the, 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 the junk, the judgment, the bigotry, the, the, the prejudice, the, the, the scars, the hurts, all that stuff will eat you alive if you have not eaten of God's eternal promises. Because it's those promises that gives us everything for life and godliness. So I just want to encourage you for that. So, so I want to get back in my prayer now. But Father, I pray for each and every person who hears this message. I pray for each and every one. We prayed for each other to receive what God had for us when we began. God, if there's anybody in this room or watching online and, you, and they're saying, you know, I need to, I, 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 I'm drowning and I need Jesus. It's not hard to receive Christ. All you have to do is reach out and take a hold of the truth that, that is being extended to you this, this moment. The truth is that God is real. And the truth is that, that he sent his son to the world, to the earth, to live as a man and to face the judgment of people and the judgment of God, to live a sinless life, an example uh, to all of us, to show us what it really means to live a sinless life, but then to die in our place and then to offer us righteousness through faith. And, and so what the rope looks like is this, is just you simply saying, I am a sinner. I've made mistakes. I believe in you, God, and I want the grace of Christ to, to cause me to be born again, to make me alive, to live a new life. If you pray that this morning, you pray that whenever you hear this message, you will be saved. You will, if you believe it in your heart and you confess it with your mouth, you will be saved. But here's the thing. I want to encourage you to go beyond just being saved. There's a whole lot of people who, who, have, who, 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 who want to leave the gospel at just the forgiveness of sin. And let's face it, that's a good place to start. It's the only place to start. We must all be forgiven. But God calls us to more than just forgiveness. He calls us to new life in Christ. A new way of living our life. A way of life that is motivated by the assurance of His eternal love that causes us to be engrafted into his family. He loves us so much, he will never abandon us. 
And so if you're out there and you're saying, I know I'm saved, Pastor, but my life does not look like it's got any hope in it. I don't feel like I got anything to offer anybody. Well, first of all, that's not true. Second of all, that doesn't have to stay that way. If you're willing to say, God, by your grace, help me to live a new way of life, a Christ-centered, word-based, spirit-led way of life, he will take you deeper and deeper in intimacy with him. And this mystery of how to love God with all of our heart, soul, and strength and how to love others as ourselves will unfold and be revealed to you so that you really can live a life of influence and impact. Christ, we, we pray for one another. I bless each and every one here. May you prosper everything they put their hands to this week. In your name I pray. Amen. Thank you for listening. To learn more about Encounter Church, visit ecdenver.org or find us on Facebook, YouTube, and Instagram.